Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast from right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week and the occasional special announcement or series. You can visit vineyardchurch.us and select Springbrook from the menu to learn more about us or to access our audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I I have some questions that I wanted to ask Chad uh, for us and for this room. And um, just kind of as his farewell to us. Also, uh, his farewell is kind of short-lived. He's like on the preaching calendar again in May. So we're not, you know, we're not like super getting rid of him, but... He won't live here anymore. So, um, okay. So here's my first question. Um, we're we're gonna replace you with another pastor. Okay. Yeah. Um, and do you have any thoughts on that? And and any advice for us as a room of how uh, to maybe love another associate pastor? Yeah. This is the easiest question she's gonna ask today. So I'm grateful we're starting out with this one. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to support a pastor that comes on, and I think it's going to be a little bit deceptive. You may have a pastor who comes on here replacing me who's from outside of our church, or you may have a pastor who is replacing me who's within our church. And what I want to say to that to you is whether they're from the outside or the inside, it's especially deceptive if they're on the inside of our church. You may think that they have community already, and that's just typically not the case. Um, And so the one thing that I want to say to you guys, and I want you to fill fill their schedules with dinners. Um, I want you to invite them to your house so that they can get to know you. Um, Because it's really hard for a pastor to invite everyone in the congregation out to eat into your house. I've tried. (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, You run up that that bill and... (laughs) And Lindsay has to be like, hey, we're spending too much money. And I was like, sorry, um, it's my last week. (laughs) (laughs) Just if anyone wants a meal tomorrow, let me know. I got you. (laughs) I got you. Um, but, um, But in that, I would love if you would invite them over to your house. And even if you think you already know them, get to know them. I, th- I think that's the first thing. The second thing I want to say is, and this is a lot more deceptive in the community of Blount County. Blount County, people have lived here a long time. They have their friend groups, right? Um, I would ask if, and I know this is hard, so, but I would ask if you would invite their wife into your friend group. The reason being is um, being new as a new person in Blount County or an existing person Um, you think it's easy to break into friend circles, and it's actually really hard. And so what I would ask is, if you're going to hang out with your friends and it's just a night out, just think, maybe I'll just send an invite. No pressure to hang out, but invite their wife to hang out with you. Um, And they may be an introvert and be like, no, I'm good, but please, um, just send that invite out. And then the last thing I want to say this is, um, it's a risk as a new person to come in and then take over something, and then stand before you and be like, I'm going to do this, I would ask that you plan to sew up to the first thing they run, to the second thing they run, to the third time they run it, um, because it's a risk to stand up and take that. It's a very vulnerable place to be. And um, 
And that would be one way to show them love and support. Um, that's so important to show up to things that they're trying to do. And listen, it may fail. I've failed a ton. I've done a lot of things that haven't turned out to be good. Lindsay says I'm basically a caretaker to the death of something. That's my ministry. <laughs> um, He's the best hospice nurse we've ever had. Yeah. I kill things. <laughs> No, you don't. You just are gracious and merciful. Yeah, and so um, I would ask you to, even if it's something you're not interested at all, sew up to that and support them in that because that will mean so much to them and it will mean so much to me. Um, If I hear about it, I will probably break down and cry. So so that's what I would say. Okay, next question. Uh, You've uh, preached a lot around here and I don't want you to preach today uh, in a long way, um, but uh, Too late. <laughs> But is there something that you wish we knew? Like, is there something you want us to know? Are there like one or two or three things that you're like, if you heard me say anything else, I hope you heard this. Yeah, I only think I really have two messages that I continually preach over and over again. Uh, the first thing is, I think the one thing that I've tried to stress so much because it was so important in my own life is identity, like who you are. The reason being, um, and I was talking to the Lord about this this morning, and he brought this verse to my heart. It's a terrible verse, but it's in Genesis 6. Are you allowed to say that? No. <laughs> I am today. <laughs> Guys, I've been trying to get severance <laughs> for the past three months, and they just haven't given it to me. Um, but, um, but, um, it's in Genesis 6, it says, God, God regretted making man and his heart was troubled. And I don't think, I think regret is a bad translation. I think it's God grieved man and, um, his heart was troubled. And why I think that's so important is God chooses to grieve something. You have to identify with something. You have to feel it. And God felt our brokenness. He felt our pain, and so God grieved and identified with us. And when he sent his son on the cross, all those broken parts of us that we like to um, identify ourselves by, Jesus nailed that to the cross with him. And when he spilt his blood, his blood washed over you and made you righteous, as we repeat constantly in Colossians, holy and blameless in his sight. And guys, if you don't get identity down, if you're not settled in that major truth about you, and I've, and this may be my own projection, but I, I think I'm right, you can't grow. You can't get to know Jesus. So you have to be settled. No matter what you did, and did yesterday, no matter what you did this morning, you are holy and you are blameless in his sight. And he loves you. And it's from that place that we interact with him. It's from that place that we live. Not from where we were or even where we are currently at, but from what he speaks over you, what his blood bought. And so that's one of the most important things. The second thing is try, which is my favorite thing. Um, We say try is faith, faith is trying. The goal in the Christian life is not to be successful. I think the goal in the Christian life is a mix of failure and try Um, because faith is going all in and seeing if God shows up or not. I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes he doesn't and sometimes he does. And so trying is having faith and what I would call it, it's faithfulness. It's doing what you know to do is right even if God shows up or not. 
And the reason why I say try is so important is because we tend to love success and we think, well, something that's successful, that means we have faith. Um, I would say if you try something and you fail, that's just as much faith. That's just as much faith. And then the biggest faith in life is then after getting hurt and seemingly something not working out is trying again. So try has defined my life because I, like, like I said, I think I've failed so much, but gosh, I identify so much with it. And I've always said on my tombstone will be he tried. <laughs> um, um, but, but try is just so important. Success and walking with God isn't the goal. The goal is faithfulness. And faithfulness is try, and then we let the fruit kind of work ourselves out. And then the last Last thing I would say is you got to be weird. Um, And what I mean by that is you got to go all in on the Holy Spirit. Um, I know Lindsay likes to call him the crazy uncle sometimes. Um, (laughs) And, 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 ah, this is so hard. I think I have tried to constantly push the bounds of what we believe about the Holy Spirit and open our minds for two reasons, um, and this is one of the reasons, and this is kind of a warning. I just think with how the God's going to move in the coming days, in the coming years, and coming months, you're going to see more of a manifestation of the Spirit. If any of you guys know what has happened at Asbury, they saw a renewal. And what happened? People loved it, and people hated it, right? And so many people saying this is emotionalism, it's false, and there's a lot. And I, I get to be strong today, right? There's a lot of false teachers that will want to say it's not real. And we'll want to tell you why, because of this and that. And here's the deal. I've never known God to show up in ways I would want him to. He typically shows up in ways that offend me and push me beyond my, and what my mind can think he's going to. I know some of you have been hurt by some, some of this stuff. You've been in places in which they've claimed it was the Holy Spirit, and really it was emotional man, manipulation and stuff like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up exactly like that for you. Um, because oftentimes I've looked at something and been like, that's fake, and then it turned out to be real. And Jesus tells me, hey, use discernment, don't judge. And so I pray for you guys to ever increasingly um, be open to the Holy Spirit, be open to his movement among you, because I just think um, it's sad, but as I'm leaving, it's like, oh no, there's a wave of it coming. And it's coming for you guys. And you guys will be the ones who minister it. Here's the idea. The Holy Spirit's not dependent upon me. I know we talk about a lot. Chad's in the back of the room. He'll pray for you. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But the reason why I talk about it all the time is I believe you guys are just as more gifted in it than me. I've just had a lot of try in it because of my job. And I think as you guys try, you guys will be, I had this guy speak this over me once. It was Steve Nicholson, who's the Holy Spirit guy in the vineyard. He goes, yeah, you're probably a great coach and not a good player. Um, an example of that, Michael Jordan, great player as an owner, terrible Um, good players never turn out to be coaches and coaches can turn out to help the good players. And I look at myself as a good coach and we have a ton of good players in this room that are just gonna grow uh, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so I I, I pray that you would ever increasingly be open to the wild and ways, the wild ways that the Spirit moves. When you said be weird, I thought you were talking about personality and I was like, I got that one. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
Uh, one of the things, I want to ask you what you admire about us. We have a, a friend who I'm stealing these questions from, and he uh, says it's important that we say what we admire in each other. And so before I ask you, I want to say what I admire in you. Not everyone gets to work with one of their best friends, so this is heavy for me this morning. Um, but what I admire about you when you're talking about try is that you uh, try and fail and try and fail and try and fail, and you keep getting back up. And I'm not sure anyone's taught me that more than you. What do you admire about us? Thanks. <laughs> I, think, I think resiliency is my favorite characteristic <laughs> in the person, and it is you. I will always keep these words within my heart held tightly <laughs> forever. Um, Are we still friends? <laughs> we'll find out, won't we? Um, yeah. What do I admire most about you guys? Um, whenever I took the job, um, one of the things that got me so excited was this, about this place is that it's a place of grace. Like, you guys are filled with grace for people. And that's important to me for a number of reasons. Number one is because I think a place of grace, when it interacts with faith, like, that's combustible. Like, when faith meets grace, anything's possible in the kingdom of God. And so for me, that was like, I'm going to take this job because there's a ton of grace here. There's, there, there's, there's a ton of, and I want to use the word almost inappropriate grace because Jesus' grace is often inappropriate. It goes beyond the bounds. It offends us in a lot of ways. The world on one side and religiosity on the other hate one thing, and that's grace. They hate it. Um, and so... One of the most exciting things was that, but uh, in that, um, we've had nine people join, uh, join a, I call it a cohort with the guy we've talked about named Seth Bussell, um, a guy who does ministry in New York, and this guy often is like, uh, church people, you know, <laughs> I got to train them, and he's always not so happy with what he interacts in that world, but he interacted with our people, and just a few of us, one time, we've only had one me- meeting so far, and he said, he told Lindsay, the one thing he appreciates that he experienced about just nine people in our church is that they really love lost people. Um, and I think that's a microcosm of our church. And that's the grace of our church, that um, lost people can find a place here. And that's important for me because I am still somewhat of a lost person, right? There's still parts of myself that are searching for Jesus and still parts of myself that are being found by Jesus. And as someone who grew up outside of the church, I mean, I came, started going to church around 19, but probably wasn't a believer until I was about 23 or 24. Um, And they told me I had to forget that side of me. Um, And here, um, I've become more in touch with that side of me. And I love that side of me. And you guys were a big part of that. So I think grace is one of the huge things that I admire about you guys. Um, The second thing is you guys show up as yourselves everywhere you go. Like I interact with you guys like a lot. Like a lot of you people go to CrossFit. I see you there. And you show up with. Check. Check. CrossFit. He said it. I said it. Not a sermon unless he says it. No. Do you want to know how much I deadlift now? No. I was thrown around 225 the Friday like it was nothing. Just kidding. Check. <laughs> Check. Number two. Um, like, I go, like, I go with you guys in those spaces, and I see you guys show up in two ways. You show up 
um, which I appreciate so much as yourself. And what I mean by that is um, you don't hide your brokenness from the world. And that's so important that you show up and you give the world the gift of whatever excellence you may have, but you also give them your brokenness. And understand this, lost people and people that don't know Jesus can rarely relate to your excellence, but what they can relate is to your brokenness. And so um, I admire that about you guys so much. Okay, I'm gonna kind of flip that question a little bit. What do you wish um, that we saw in ourselves that maybe we don't see? Mm -hmm. Uh, You have more faith than you think you have. Um, And I mean that in a number of ways. I know some of your guys' stories. I know your relationship with the church and the fact that you choose to still show up here on a Sunday morning. That's faith. Um, Faith is not so much you... You have this great hope. You have this great feeling inside of you. It's when your dreams have been dashed and you're probably pessimistic, but you still show up. Um, And that's so much faith that you show up in this room. And I know that's the story of a lot of you guys. And I hope you see that because you may think, man, I don't think I have faith anymore. I'm barely hanging on by a limb. But faith is just doing something. And the fact that you show up here on a Sunday morning, that's a ton of faith. But one thing I want to speak into that, because as I was thinking about that, um, what the Lord wanted me to say to this, this is a tad bit prophetic. um, And that is that um, the Lord's calling you to still do that, but he's also calling you to try again and ministering to people. Like God's calling you up out of that place you are to where you think you can't do ministry or you think you can't help people. But, he's, but if you're in that place, he's calling you to rise up in that because you can also do that too. And I know that's a hard word to hear if you're in that place. But you guys have so much faith. Um, and I think there's so much in that expression that's gonna come out over the next I think Christy's going to talk a tad bit about that. But, the, but I believe that expression is about to be unleashed in Springbrook. And I'm so sad I won't be here to see it. Well, you will in May. Oh, yeah, I'll be back in May. Hopefully it happens then. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is my last question. Um, what do you hope for us? Hold on, Christy's going to answer this before I do. Come, just come on no, she's not. <laughs> I'm she, good, but You said you made a declaration. Yeah, and I did. This was I did. the end. I did. And this is the ironic part about what I'm about to say. Um, so I got a chance to pray for you guys um, this week to see if there was anything I felt like the Lord um, wanted to say or impart um, that I was hearing from him. And it was a little bit confusing at first, so hopefully this isn't too confusing when I say this, but... Um, one, I think that he's about to lead you into some very uncomfortable places, um, uncomfortable in your faith, uncomfortable in life. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, being uncomfortable, oftentimes comfort can be an idol. And so being in an area of uncomfortability, it allows for perseverance and it allows for, um, resilience. 
And I think that he is wanting to teach you guys how to be resilient and how to persevere in that. Um, but the less scary side, because that's, that's a very scary thing, um, the less scary side, and where I was getting a little bit confused with this at first, is that basically side, side by side to that, what he's doing concomitantly um, is that he is, and this is the beautiful part, there's going to be so much grace in that because I believe, I truly believe that he is just going to show you his simple goodness um, to where he is going to lead you to experience him over and over in a way where you will confidently expect his goodness and kindness. Um, so even in those uncomfortable times, um, faith, expressions, whatever, I think that he is going to show you how good he is and how kind he is, even when things are scary. Um, even in those big leaps of faith, he is going to show you the simplicity of who he is. Um, and it will kind of show itself in like a childlike faith and joy. And um, childlike faith is not a blind faith, um, but it is a very, it's a very joyous faith. And so in the midst of a lot of uncertainty and a lot of uncomfortability, I really think that he is going to give you a childlike faith and joy. Thank you. Well, there you go. <laughs> the end? The end. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm going to tag along with Christy on that. One of the things I was praying for was, Lord, do you have anything that uh, you would want to say to them? And it goes along Christy's line, and how I term this is going to sound bad, so give me a moment. Um, my hope is that the Lord offends and disrupts your life. <laughs> Congrats. That's what I'm praying for, that he offends and disrupts your life. And along that lines, I think Jesus gave me this. Jesus hasn't called you to a comfortable life, but a costly life. Um, and I think that's so true. When me and Christy got to Atlanta, we went out to eat with a bunch of our friends at Sweetwater and someone was like, hey, are you guys wanting to live in the city of Atlanta? And we go, yeah. And they go, well, that's, well, that's going to be great till someone pulls out a gun on you. And, um, and then she was telling stories of families that got a gun pulled out on them and then immediately sold their house and moved out of the city. And me and Christy were leaving. And, and on the way to Atlanta, that, like, uh, that very, the day before, me and Jesus just had three hours to talk. And Jesus was just like, hey, um, I haven't called you to a comfortable life. And I think that's all of us. And it's uncomfortable in different ways. For me and Christy, it's moving to Atlanta. For you, it may be um, asking your neighbor over for dinner when you would rather not want to do anything. And what we've done so much in this church, and, and what you guys have probably seen, we've said these words a lot, um, that, that, that we want to equip you in the places where you live, work, learn, and play. And a part of that is we're decentralizing power and ministry out of our hands and giving it back to you where ministry has always belonged in the church. It's belonged to all of us. Um, and we've done that so much. Um, and where that formation happens is the groups within our church. If you're not a part of groups within our church, you're missing a lot of formational aspects of missing in our church. And I'm not just saying that as a groups guy, but that's where all our formation in these things happen. So slowly as a church, we're looking to give back ministry to you guys because here's the big thing. You can give us all the money in the world and we can do great things, but all the money in the world and all the power or, and, and all the stuff that may give us to be able to bless people, we can't bless your neighbor. We can't bless your coworker. Only you have access to the light of Jesus in those places. And what we wanna do is give the power back to you guys and equip you guys to be able 
to do that. And that's what I mean by a costly life. It's, it's living a life that is interruptible by Jesus and also that person you want to avoid at work, which is why we've talked about enemies so much around here. So I hope that for I you. thought it was because I was the person you wanted to avoid at work. Well, you know, I'm leaving. So <laughs> <laughs> The second thing is um, I picked this portion of scripture because I hope for you that you would experience the love of Jesus in ways you haven't known before that you would be settled in that love and that identity in Jesus and that you would grow out of that. Because I think the one thing that harms human race is that we don't know that. Then when we start to know that, we start to heal. We start to be able to open up hard places with other people and heal even more. And so I hope and pray that for you. And then the last thing I think I hope for you guys is, um, this is, it may seem dumb, but I resonate so much with Paul whenever he writes this, is that I hope that you continually grow in love for one another. Like for the people in this room, that you grow in love for one another in the midst of the faults you know about other people in this room, the things that make you angry with other people in this room, I hope that your grace and love is offensive in one another. And I say that because as Paul states, that's how the world knows that this thing's true, right? That this Jesus thing is true, that there's a group of people who love one another despite their faults, and they love people from the outside, and they invite them into this love, which is unconditional. And so I hope and pray that for you. So my last question I have, and this is a question I'm asking myself. (laughs) Chad, um, (laughs) what do you hope our church knows about um, our staff here? Um, and so I hope you know Aaron Britt loves and prays for your kids. Um, I hope you know that, um, and I, I resonate a lot with Aaron Britt because we both weren't raised in the church, and so everything she does is out of this strong sense of purpose and innocence. Like, the church hasn't been able to hurt her in, like, any ways that kids who grow up in the church. And so there's such an authenticity about the way that she goes about ministry that um, that is rare. And I want you to know that about her. I want you to know also that I'm, right, so Seth makes us, and whenever we were in New, New York, he was like, well, what's one thing you're jealous of them about? She is going to be such a great speaker. Like the one time she spoke, it was like, oh gosh, that girl has it in her. And God's just blessing her and is going to keep on growing her. She's magnificent now. I can only imagine what she'll be like in a few years. But she loves your kids. And she thinks about your guys' well-being um, every week. Um, and then Johnny, who I cry over the most in this room. Um, I resonate with Johnny so much because um, when... Well, there's two reasons for this. Whenever I was out in Knoxville, um, of course, we were struggling in the last six months, but Johnny would just show up on a Sunday night and be like, hey, can I run sound? There's no reason for him to be there. Other side, he's just trying to close that church because it would be easier for all of us if we just closed it at the beginning. Um, But Johnny showed up every week. He didn't have to do that. Newly married, has a family, but chose to come out there. And I don't think you guys know how much he sacrifices. Um, John, he's one of the reasons why, um, why I believe the organizational church can still do a lot of good. 
Um, as an executive pastor, you don't get to see him on stage a lot or around here, but he's one of the huge reasons why I trust faith. He's one of the few reasons why I trust organizational churches. And um, I don't know if you know how much of a gift Johnny is to our congregation. Um, he is such a gift. And I trust him. Like, I don't ever, I'm never like, oh, Johnny going to do the right thing. I just trust him so much. And I want you guys to know that. Um, and I'm jealous of how smart he is. I gosh, I wish I was that smart. Um, and then Lindsay. Um, one of my favorite things about Lindsay, I think Joss Armstrong, uh, this isn't exactly how he says, says, said it one time. And so it's Joss, so he knows it's going to be bad. Um, <laughs> Um, she said that Lindsay is so positive, she, he's almost, she's almost untrustable. <laughs> um, but I am jealous of Lindsay's hope and love for people, um, her trust for people. Um, because this, uh, hiring me, there was some risk to me. There was a lot of risk to me. And she chose to see the good and believe in that good. And I'm so thankful because that helped bring the good out in me and helped me grow um, into who I am today. And I'm so thankful for that and that grace um, that at a time when my identity wasn't so settled in how God saw me, um, she continued to believe in me and see something in me. And I think that's for everyone in this room. I don't think you guys know how um, rare that is in a pastor. And a lot of the ways we worked is how do we be authentic and accountable with people? And we've worked so hard on that, which makes a church grow slow, but that's amazing. And that's an awesome work. And so I am so thankful for that. Um, um, I'm thankful for the, that um, you allowed me to work with you. Um, it was never, Chad, I'm going to tell you what to do. It was like, Chad, what do you think? Um, and so I want you guys to know, and I don't say this, and I don't want this to be religious rhetoric because I'm leaving the place, but you guys don't know how lucky you have it with these leaders. Huh? I leave knowing that we did authentic work, and I don't regret any of it. And there's not a lot of places I've shown up in in which I could say that and leave with that kind of conscience, and that's amazing. So that's, so that's what I want you guys to know about your staff. And also, because I'm leaving, doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's leaving. Like, Lindsay's, I'm jealous because she's just as much gifted as I am in the Holy Spirit, and that upsets me because I talk about it a lot. <laughs> Read way more books on the subject than she has. I felt like I've earned something in this. And the Lord's like, nope, just going to dump it on her. Um, and I think the same for Lindsay and Johnny. Um, healing's still going to happen. Prophetic words in this congregation are still going to happen because they are gifted, but also you are gifted. Um, so, yeah. Um, I feel weird asking this since you said you're not the only one that prays, but will you pray for us? For Selah today, every week we take a pause. And so can we pause and just let you pray and bless us? Yeah, can Christy pray first? Over everyone? Yeah. Sorry, this prayer is going to work. So. I'll be tame. 
for anyone that knows me, I'm very long-winded in prayer. Yeah. Um, we good? Okay. Yeah. Um, Jesus, we are grateful for this time and place and the work you're doing, the work you've done, the work you're going to do. We bless that. We thank you for the ways that you are teaching and moving and growing everyone here, whether they've been here for a long time or not. So I bless that move. I bless that work. That you would continue to grow and multiply love and joy and kindness that these people would just have so much confidence that you will show up and that you are good even if it's not what they expect, that they can always expect you to be good and to be kind. And so I ask that you would just shower your kindness and your goodness to where they can't escape it, to where it's too much and emotionally, mentally, physically, that they are just overwhelmed by you. And I ask that anything that would want to hinder that or want to keep that from happening, any fear, any any fear, God, I just say to that fear, you got to sit down at the feet of Jesus um, and you have no place here. And I speak to the worry and the feelings of unworthiness and the feelings of hopelessness, and I just say bow down at the feet of Jesus. May love and goodness and kindness continue to grow, not only in the people here, but the people that are in direct contact with them, the people that are in indirect contact, that you would, that you would start here. So we, we allow you fully into this time and space and no matter how scary or crazy it may look, we say, you're welcome, God. And we're willing, we're willing to move with you. Yeah, and Father, I pray... God, I just pray and bless this congregation with giftings that they don't even know that they have yet. Father, I pray that you would allow the giftings that you've given them to grow in them. Father, I pray that they would know your love, the love that goes beyond comprehension, the love, Father, that, um, that only you can give, that can settle the heart in who we are and what you've called us to be in this world. And Father, I most of all thank you for this congregation and the impact that they're going to have in this community. Every day in the places where they live, work, learn, and play. Um, God, I thank you for their, vuln their vulnerability and openness for allowing a guy on the outside to come in and to be a part of their community. And Father, I trust that you're continuing this work, that this work is going to grow. And Jesus, I bless it in your name. Amen.